about that movie. So, all right. Well, if you could turn your mic off, the uh, adults are talking. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Monsters Multiclass, we'll be talking about the morality of Stitch. Chaotic evil, chaotic neutral. He what was... does Ohana mean? <laughs> <laughs> it means family. We can just Google that. Oh, that oh, yeah, actually, oof. I do remember that. I'm pretty sure the movie pretty clearly spells that out. What that Ohana. means. Ohana. That's like the po- family. Yes, that's like the entire point of the movie. Yeah, no, it means no the worries. Finding what that means <laughs> for the rest of your days. There it's we go. Their problem free philosophy. Ohana. <laughs> Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your weekly Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigal, and I'm Will Miller. And we'll be hanging out with you for the next hour to talk about anything and everything D and D related. This week we're looking at the Rogue Wizard Multiclass. And then later on, the chord from Molo's Guide to Monsters. So pull up a chair and stick around. All right, so this week, our multi-class is going to be the Rogue Wizard. Uh, Rogue is the sneaky opportunist who his main feature is going to be the sneak attack uh, that they get from their melee, or not melee, their martial attacks. Um, wizards are the full spellcaster um so <laughs> that's really all there is about wizards they're the spellcaster um first thoughts kevin initially i was really worried about this one um thinking on more reading into it and all that i i think wizards could actually really mesh well with rogue with rogues being the opportunist they take it to an extreme where they study and learn magic to become the ultimate opportunist more like it's beyond just being able to attack the weakness in the enemy or, you know, break into, you know, find a house to break into or any other criminal things or something like that. Well, um, the, you can kind of fold in the toolbox utility of the wizard's spellbook. I think can really kind of elevate that aspect of the rogue up. Okay. Uh, Will, first thoughts. I, I definitely agree. Um, so much so that there is actually a subclass for the rogue almost entirely <laughs> targeted at that. Yeah. So that I think is going to be our big uh, our big feat to overcome is can we justify this combination over just going for Arcane Trickster? I personally think there's a lot of potential there, but mm-hmm. we'll have to see. Yeah, right. I, I think it absolutely be justified. Uh, Arcane Trickster is you're limited to illusion and enchantment spells except for every few levels. Yeah. Which is mean, it's, it's pretty limited. Yeah, um, it definitely is. Yeah. Where if you multi-class into wizard, so you can go another archetype, get those archetype abilities of like the scout or the assassin or anything like that. And then while to multi-classing into a wizard and getting access to their entire spell list, which is just huge. So here's here's what I will say. Um, yes, the spell casting of the arcane trickster kind of piss poor. It's really not that great. They're third casters. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. The special feats that they get on that are 100% rogue-focused and really good flavor. Mechanically, mixed bag, but you're not going to get that if you just go wizard instead. Yeah, right. Arcane Trickster, I mean, even at third level, gets a bunch of cantrips for one, and also a lot more uses with their mage hand, uh, which I I really like that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. You can use your mage hand to pickpocket, open locks, um really use it like you are within five feet of someone whereas normally mage hand is pretty limited to very simple tasks um so i could see one uh build of this where you go like three in rogue and then 17 in wizard 
uh, or, you know, like the rest in wizard and you're not getting much from the rogue. You're kind of ignoring mm-hmm. the sneak attack entirely, but we've talked about the rogue before the first three abilities for the rogue are all really, really good. First off, you're going to get light armor. Um, if you start with rogue, then you can get medium armor. I believe, I think it might just be light, but regardless you get armor. So now you're freeing up, uh, that mage armor. You don't need to use it. Um, say ignore sneak attack but you will get um expertise which is a 10 out of 10 ability get more skills go right into that toolbox that we talked about now instead of it just being what your spells can do it's also what you can do um cunning action wizards aren't always going to use their bonus action i will definitely not classify them as a bonus action heavy character but letting yourself hide dash and disengage as a bonus action really helps the wizards in one of the things that they are worst at, which is getting out of the fray. Um, then what without else? Without spending a spell slot. Without spending a spell slot, yeah. Um, so And I, then you get your first rogue shark type ability. Correct. Which for Arcane Trickster, again, you get that, uh, that mage, mage hand. Mage hand, domain. Or if you go literally anything else, all of the third level abilities for a rogue are just great. Yeah, one thing I'd like to point out with Assassinate from the Assassin one, it's just so that's, um, yeah, you have advantage on attack rolls against any creature that hasn't taken its turn in combat yet. When, when, whenever you read that, you're thinking weapon attack, but mm-hmm. it doesn't say that. It's no, just it doesn't. attack roll. Right. So you could do a spell. You could cast a ninth level Scorching Ray and get advantage <laughs> on every single one of those Scorching Ray rolls. And it's uh, if, if it's a surprise, you get them criticals. <laughs> yeah, which can be, I mean, that just scales really well. Right I mean, at the end of the day, you just it's uh, a, yeah that assassinate ability. It's it's good all the way up to twenty. There, there's nothing that relies on getting more rogy to use that or anything like that. And then I think you, if you play your wizard creatively, you could probably set up getting surprise a decent amount. Yeah, I think so. Invisibility, yeah. That falls, that really does fall on the DM to enable that, though. A lot of DMs kind of want to avoid surprise rounds on both ends. Or some bad DMs are like, I'm only ever going to surprise my players. (laughs) You know, my players can never get the drop on my enemies. Mm -hmm. I think that just depends. I find that I, I cannot remember the last time we had a surprise round in one of our games. It's been a right. Very, it's very been long a very time. long time, but I don't think that surprise rounds should be entirely discounted. I think we, as a party currently in our Out of the Abyss campaign, have zero reason to get surprise rounds. Most of the time, we go into stuff and we are very guns blazing. Um, Who's in the front? Uh, the two guys who are clanking around in <laughs> sixty pounds of armor. Right, right. right. So a party that is more. Uh, Leaning towards that, somebody with a rogue is always a great group to try and do that. Or if you've got somebody who's got pass without a trace, um, which is, I don't know if wizards can get that. I'm almost positive they cannot. But uh, there's there's things that you can do to make sure that your party does get surprised. The ranger rounds. druid would probably have pass without a trace. The ranger druid would definitely have pass without a trace, but that was last episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure he'd hang out with rogue wizards. So. What? Like, why would multi-classes specifically hang out with other multi-classes? No, I like to think of our, each one we do is like friends with each other. Like it's a big <laughs> Justice League of multi-class people. <laughs> That's going to be our campaign. That's gonna Some be people our... are Superman, some people are Aquaman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess I do. Um, whereas the Ranger Druid would be Aquaman in this? That's pretty close. To okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, you're talking about surprises. Uh, you've definitely had... Enemies have surprise rounds on you. 
Have and we? out of the abyss. Yeah, and, um, that's real common of underdark enemies. Almost okay. all of them are ambush. Okay, that's enemies. Fair. A lot of it's avoided because high perception rolls. Yeah, or for a while you had, um, you had that NPC Jim Jar with you as a passive perception of sixteen, so he kind of killed a lot of it. But <laughs> I miss him. Yeah, James Jared. Yeah, <laughs> and actually now that I'm saying this out loud, we've been doing it wrong. What's like, that? I know this. I guess this is something I've known how the rules work, but never really enforced it that much. Um, I'm pretty sure surprise round. It's a character by character basis. Correct. So if there was like three enemies coming in and they had a uh, stealth roll of 15 between them, uh, Jim Jar with his passive perception of 16 will notice automatically, succeeds. and he will not have a surprise round. Correct. The rest of you with your passive perception of like 10 and 11 won't, and then you should have a surprise round. Yep. So yeah, I screwed that up. Yes, well, you did, but that's okay. Yeah, I don't actually think you did. I think you did surprise like half the party multiple times. I don't. I don't think yeah, we so. always think that we didn't do the rules right, <laughs> and then we think more and like, no, we totally yeah. did the rules right. We're just <laughs> idiots. We do literally everything right. We just have a very piss poor memory, <laughs> except for, for rules. <laughs> yes, and yeah. saying uh, Mordecai's tome of foes correctly. Uh, Fucked it up. <laughs> But uh, no, I, I think um, I, I don't think surprise rounds need to be a focus in any way. But I think that if your party is going to greatly benefit from them, like this combination would of assassin rogue and a wizard, um, really just assassin rogue uh, wizard. Sure, I guess it benefits a little bit um, like like you're saying, a, a ninth level scorching ray which probably isn't the best use of your ninth level spell. Um, but that's you know, <laughs> a good one. It's, yeah. it's not a bad one though. You're right. <laughs> a lot right. of damage. You're right. You're right. I might not waste the ninth level spell on it, but even Eighth level, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we're getting into particulars. Regardless, that's a lot of crits. Even just a level two, that's three attack rolls at advantage. <laughs> and if they hit, they get crits in a surprise could, round. Yeah. So so yeah, if all of them hit, then what that be what twelve d six? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good for a second level spell. Yeah. Uh. So. So yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty good combination. Um, rogues scale pretty well, but I worry that if you're trying to do like a, this isn't something where you should take an even amount in both of them. I feel like 10 in rogue and then 10 in wizard, you're kind of making both of them not reach their potential, uh, compared to a small dip in both of them. I feel like you're getting something out of it. I'm not entirely sure about that because like. I guess the one thing that is always going to be nipping at the heels of any rogue edition of this is going to be your cantrips. A wizard's default thing is going to be I cast my cantrip, which scales linearly. Right. And that's always going to compete with your rogue link, rogue uh, sneak attack unless you are very focused on rogue. Right. Like if you're high in rogue, then of course the 66 sneak attack is always going to be a better choice. Yes. But I mean, 10 levels in rogue and 10 levels in, well, I, cantrips scale the third time at 11th level or i guess the second time so you could potentially do like nine in rogue 11 in wizard i think it's, it's on character level yeah. you're right you're totally that's right the weird thing about i always cantrips. forget that and that's that's the one thing i think this class uh combination doesn't really jive well because you do have two very compelling competing options depending mm-hmm. on the situation which i think actually might be a good thing in a lot of ways if you don't have sneak attack as a rogue you feel really, really useless. Yeah, you're Cast like, oh, the dead or firebolts or whatever. Well, you probably would not have a cleric. Cantrip. Yeah, you can't do <laughs> no. Toll the Dead. Toll the Dead's wizard. What? what? Wizards get Toll the Dead. That's absolutely not. Which is, I flavorize it's weird, but. Why do they Toll get that? Toll the Dead. Nah, that doesn't really work. 
<laughs> Are you trying to do the, the G.I. Joe thing? Tomafos. Oh, my. Did that I actually oh. get oh. Yeah, it got worse. It's awful. Um, cleric, it. warlock, wizard. Yeah. Wizards get it. That's amazing. Controversial opinion. That cancer ruined all the other cancers. <laughs> I don't think it's that controversial. I totally agree. <laughs> it's it's any of those abilities. I think we have talked about this before. Any ability that is once something takes damage, this does more damage. It's just silly. I mean, how many times do you one shot something? It's literally never happens in D&D. So most likely stuff has taken damage. Mm hmm. Toll the Dead is a great example of that because it goes from a D8 to a D12. I thought it was D10. <clears throat> it's a D8 to a D12. Jeez. Okay. Right. Which doesn't make sense. It should, like, I think you should move both those down. D6 to D10. And that's fine. Yeah. Because otherwise it's the most powerful cantrip. No other cantrip does a D12. Except for poisons the ones that are close yeah Yeah. there's there's one where you have to be within like five or ten feet yeah poison spray i believe can hit multiple targets though too yeah but it's like surrounded by shit right right right. (laughs) that's why it's such a crappy cantrip exactly because it's like well i'm a wizard i don't want to be surrounded by shit so now you can can d12 from 60 feet away yeah Uh, whatever hmm we don't but it actually that would make sense for an assassin rogue oh yeah i mean that works perfectly for an assassin rogue kind of yeah, and poison spray is just one creature, actually. One creature, yeah. all right. Yeah, so it's a D12 and scales accordingly, but... But it's a melee feet. spell attack. Oh, 10 feet? Yeah. So why would you... Again, there's so... I know, it came out of nowhere and, and ruined it. it's a con save, yeah. Which so, a lot of uh, creatures have very high con. Exactly. Compared to Toll the Dead, which is a wisdom save. And when things have high wisdom, they've got high wisdom, but in comparison... more high con. Yeah. yeah. Con is, is definitely going to be more common. <sighs> <clears throat> I hate that spell, but I use it like yeah, use six it times time, a yeah. session. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. I, 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 want a, I want a better, I want an option to not toll when I've just like got nothing else to do. Whatever. Just remember, once you are level 11, you have the potential to do 36 damage with your cantrip every single round. And I get to roll those delicious D12s. Oof. Oof. The more I've been um, on Twitter, the more I see other people share our love for D12s. And I think we should start a club uh, <laughs> where we all just hang out and make characters specifically around rolling as many D12s as possible. D12s and monsters. <laughs> we figure out how to make the most D12 focused class possible and go over monsters. Right. So your melee characters, you're basically only going to use a great axe. Um, yeah, barbarians with... Or I, I bought you guys those dice where they're D6s, but... Oh, that's such double cheating. D12s. It's not the it's same, man. Not, Oh, come on, that's the same. No, I, I appreciate the effort. The dice are all right, but it really is cheating, man. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's because they're so rare they feel special. That could be it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, yeah, you use a great sword, so you get to roll two of them every time. But... Right, no, but I don't. No, no, that's cheating. I don't because I, I like my metal dice too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed with those things. They're so nice. Um... Is there a wizard subclass that we actually care about? <laughs> um, I have singer. one obvious one oh. for standard wizards, Illusion. Right. That's, oh. That was my main yeah. thought. Is that illusion. one isn't great. None of the wizard subclasses are, like, particularly great. Except yeah. for Divination. Oh, come on. Except for Divination with its portent dice. Yeah. Which, uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's Rogue great. dipping in the two levels of wizard to get some wizard spells for utility and portent dice. Great, sure. <laughs> I, that's such a cop out. It's like port and dice are so universally good. Yeah, good it, it is. It really is good. Any, I think any multi class could probably benefit. The rogue fortune teller. 
Yeah, or or again, you just play an opportunist. That's right, right, right. The opportunist who yeah. sees into the future. You, yeah, you have to add the mystical sure, yeah. element. He's right. an opportunist that's got some secret power that lets him yeah. see a little farther than others. Yeah, it's a good flavor. It's yeah, it's really not bad. good mechanics. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Then you take some yeah utilities, but you take shield and absorb elements, and I guess you don't have first level spells. Yeah, just some utility spells and stuff. Right, and first level spells for wizards. It's not like you're really you get a lot of the good utility stuff. Yeah, uh, you're not like totally shit out of luck there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the yeah. That's and you get some cantrips and like told the dead, and though arcane trickster could just give you that too. But um, another interesting thing, and again, this could also just be accomplished through arcane trickster, but uh. Booming Blade and Green Flame Blade. So those are wizard cantrips the rogue could take. Right. Which part of casting it is making a melee weapon attack. Right. Which can trigger sneak attack if everything's set up. Interesting. Yeah. So you can cast a cantrip that gets you your sneak attack. Yeah. So you cast the cantrip, you make a melee weapon attack. If uh-huh. it hits and you have advantage or someone's within five feet, that attack does normal damage. So it does your damage, then the sneak attack, then the booming blade effect applies or the green flame. Yeah. Blade. No, that fits. It says yeah. you make a melee yeah. weapon attack. And then I, I was just curious and I did look it up and there was, um, there was like a sage advice tweet on it and stuff that confirmed how that works. So it's kind of weird because you're like transforming your rogue attack into a magical version of the rogue attack. Mm-hmm. So that's, what yeah, a that's dick move. Kind of a dick move, but that works. I like it. Yeah. Chill out, Rogue. You do enough. So uh, did you look... The, you said something about the Blade Singer. Yeah, right? Blade Singer. I mean, they're they're wizards, and they're the subclass based around you magically enhance yourself to be more nimble and dexterous and get up in the fray and attack with usually two you know two weapons, um, something like that. Like, it actually ends if you wear wield, like, a two-handed weapon or shield mm-hmm. or anything. So it's all very roguish. The entire subclass ends as soon as yes. you pick something up with two hands. <laughs> Yeah, so if you activate Blade Song, you get um, bonus to your AC equal to your intelligence modifier. Your walking speed increases by 10 feet. You have advantage on acrobatics checks, and you gain a bonus to any constitution saving throws you make to maintain your concentration, which equals your intelligence modifier. Which is nice, for sure. Yeah. Then at level 6, you get an extra attack. Okay. So, I mean, good for rogues. Yeah. I mean, good for anyone. Right, Um, right, right. Unless you get extra attack. There's right. not a rogue subclass that gets you extra attacks, right. Right, right, right? Which is kind of funny when you think about it. But that no, that's that's the point of the class, yeah. my dude. I know, but a wizard class does. I know. There's a wizard yeah. subclass that's how that gets weird extra the blade attacks. Song is. Yeah. yeah, it's a weird one. It really breaks out of the mold. Yeah, then they get song of defense at tenth level. Um, when you take damage when your blade song is active, you can use your reaction, expend one spell slot, and reduce the damage to you by any amount equal to five times the spell slot's level. So. It's a reaction, right? Yeah, okay. So as I say, you could also do that uncanny dodge from Rogue, but you can't. So. Uh, yeah, we've never... We really haven't talked about Blade's uh, Singer before. We did with our Ranger Wizard. Briefly, but... The Wizard. This is... this the is actually, That's actually a good combination this time. You know, I like that. Yeah. Everything in Blade Song is very roguish. Exactly. Uh, there is a little bit of a resource limit on it. Um, So you get at second level... Yeah, you can't be wearing medium heavy armor using a shield. It's not a big deal. No. For a rogue. That's it. It lasts for a minute. Ends with if you're incapacitated or break one of those equipment things. Um, where's the... Feature oh, you twice, can use... Yeah, twice. Shorter long. Yep. Use it twice regain a shorter long rest. I feel like Inquisitive uh, layers over pretty well with a wizard just for the yes. sake of, you know, they're intelligent and <laughs> yeah that's the main thing you know it's it's a, a smart class yeah, they're, they're investigators they're right. observant and intelligent and yeah I, I like to flavor that inquisitive rogue well it's a class and then a wizard yeah especially 
divination wizard if they're like a criminal investigator. That could work. That like could a work. criminal and also an investigator or a criminal investigator? They yeah. investigate criminals and crimes. But are they also a criminal? Then how did they, they could get be. rogue? All rogues are criminals. They were a criminal, but then they got picked up for their talents at uh, crime. And so now they're going, are we making a sitcom or a multi-class? <laughs> <laughs> uh, canon rogue. Or are we just being classist? Class. <laughs> well, that is one of my, uh, I guess, questions is the rogue always feels kind of like the, I mean, it's, rogue in the name like i'm on my own i don't need anyone's help whereas wizards are usually like they need some type of only mechanically like or kind of they can really study by themselves if they've got the resources yeah and once they have their like first level in wizard it's kind of generic that they just go off on their own and study right 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 i don't think either of these classes is particularly personable if like by default you can make them however you want, but right. I don't know. I think I can see both paths being something that people would pursue in this world with similar temperaments. I mean, yeah, I guess if if we, you if you can justify arcane trickster, then there's no reason you can't justify rogue wizard. Right. Oh yeah. It's wizard's one of those I I don't think it needs much much justification as long as they have the, the intellect required, which is required to multi-class into a 13. Right. It's just finding a spell book or books on magic or something to teach you. And you just, you just work hard and you study at it and you learn magic. Yeah. That just that, seems unrealistic it. to me. <laughs> <laughs> Improving your lot in life by working hard. <laughs> yeah. That working hard, awful. trying, reading books. <laughs> who, who does that? Right. <laughs> Um, um, school of abjuration could work well for Rogue. Just make them tanky. I, but why? Why so hard not? to kill? Like arcane ward, yeah. And then the pro- projected ward, we can use it to protect other people. I think that's the that's kind of like constitution. Um, the abjuration, anything does better if it's harder to kill. Right, right. That's kind of hard to deny. Which is why that. I like abjuration. And slowly you are all coming around to it. <laughs> nah, I, I like it. That's I think it's lame. It is lame. Evocation. Yeah, it's not lame. It's good. I feel like every time a wizard comes up, like evocation is just, it's really good. Being able to use your AOE spells and just keep your party protected just opens up so many doors. Just like we were talking about with the Amnitsu last episode, where they have all resistant or immunity to fire, so they can just throw a fireball down. That's also really good if you're a wizard, being able to just use fireball wherever. It's its biggest Mm -hmm. limitation, Um, and that goes with any other type of evocation spell beyond fireball. So evocation is just a, a great choice all around but it's kind of like a smooth brain wizard approach because <laughs> it, it really is just letting you think less and do more damage. Right, right. But I think it's kind of outside what a wizard should aim for. But, you know, if you've got your blow up wizard, go for it. The only thing I will say is that uh, the ability to learn evocation spells easier, uh, I feel like doesn't really matter as much for wizards. Most wizards only need a couple of damage spells. Uh, you're going to be hard pressed to uh, justify uh, preparing more than three damage spells, kind of just at different levels. IDK, bro, because we just talked about a certain enemy in a certain realm where if you only got those fire spells, <laughs> you're going to be in a bad place. If you go into hell and you only prepare your fireball. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I only brought fire spells. Brought, where did you think we were going, dude? I don't know. I thought they'd just 
not like fire from me. Um, are there frost devils? No, there are no. Well, there's actually one. <laughs> <laughs> we might run into those. And we're still immune to fire. Yeah. <laughs> Just prepare your lightning spells. So, yes, there are very specific times where it's useful. But compared to like a illusion wizard where there's a lot of good illusion spells that you know you just it's good to be able to learn easier um i mean i won't say that reducing the amount of time it takes and half the gold it takes to learn a spell is really that big of a benefit for going that specific uh subclass Mm -hmm. but when it comes to evocation i just i don't see somebody needing to learn Every different type of evocation spell. There's not many times that you are going to fight something. It is specifically resistant or immune to an element. And you're going to know about it beforehand. Damage is damage. Utility. Each spell is different. Exactly. I guess I get that. And uh, with other subclasses, the conjuration wizard actually, I think works decently with rogue. So stick with me here. So (laughs) you have minor conjuration. You could create an object. Okay. In your hand, and it disappears, and it can't be magical. But I can see that fitting really well for Rogue, where you always kind of have whatever tool you need at hand. You just, poof, here, here's a lockpick, here's a crowbar. Okay. Whatever. And then I'm sure there'd be a million situations where if you have that, you're going to find uses for it. Right. That's fair. Um, and then benign transportation, just more movement for the Rogue. Um, you could teleport up to 30 feet away or swap places with somebody. Um. And then Focus Conjuration. Then the last two are Focus Conjuration and Durable Summons, where they make summons better, like Conjure Animals and Woodland Beans and stuff like that. And with the that can actually mesh really well with a Rogue. Giving yourself advantage. Exactly, yeah. Or not advantage, just Sneak Attack. Sneak Attack, sorry. Yeah, by having, Thank, you. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, summon within five feet of every enemy. So you can attack whoever you need to and get Sneak Attack. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. By level 14, you now have an army of squirrels with 30 temporary hit points. <laughs> Good luck getting rid of the get rid of the sneak attack there. Right? Then I actually really like the uh, second level minor conjuration flavor. Yeah, that one's really mm-hmm. good. I, I think that's a, a good way that if you were going mostly rogue with a tiny dip into wizard, conjuration would be a very useful one because you literally always have the right tool for the job. Um, and even if it's partially just flavor, like, oh, why would I keep my lock picks on me? You know, I just snap my fingers and I made a lock pick. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's cool. I'm not um, sure what the laws are in this particular area, but yeah, if you have lock picks on you and you get arrested, you get in big trouble. Right, right. <laughs> you can get burglary charges just for having lock picks on you. So that makes sense in a city. Just never carry them, man. Right. Um, but the, the limitations of it are, are small. I mean, it, that's that's a poor way to phrase it but uh you can do a lot with it the object can be no larger than three feet on a side and weigh no more than 10 pounds that's a lot of stuff i mean you could even make a shovel it's not going to be the the biggest shovel but now you got a shovel cool <laughs> oh man i love that i'm like oh i wish i had a shovel right now oh there's my shovel right right i, I don't even know if you're being serious but it All does right, happen this, a this lot. works with rogue very well because it's one of the only classes where they can use a non-magical mundane style item very well other right. class yeah it's like okay you have a stick whatever yeah. you know wizards are not lockpicks they don't break into stuff you know you can get a grappling hook out of this man though at the same time if you are a wizard and you have a rogue in your party you're getting that same benefit not saying that you know that's we're talking about this multi-class that's what's important you can do that but conjuration is i shouldn't yeah, you shouldn't count out conjuration just because you cannot particularly use that object. Somebody in your party can use it as well. 
True. Right. And transposition's really good. That's at six level Transmuta- thing. Did Trans- we? No, no, not transmutation. Transposition, transposition which is its uh, its yeah. six level ability, where it can use your action to teleport thirty feet to an unoccupied space. Um, at the same time, though, with robe, use that bonus at- action to disengage. And right. why bother teleporting? Uh, so those kind of step on each other, and that's only once per short or long rest that you get a, a free misty step. Yeah, or until you cast a conjuration spell again. Right. Yeah, I guess it does kind of overlap with um, cunning action. Disengage is a bonus action, and yeah, yeah. not terribly. Yeah, but you know why? Why bother if you don't need to? Right, because yeah, but the benign transposition is a full action. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah, that's a little rough. All right. Transmutation um, is good if you're trying to trick people. Yeah, we had that conversation outside the podcast. It was a solid like six hours of yelling back and forth. <laughs> we do that. <laughs> That's why we made the podcast is to channel our yelling back and forth for six hours and make it something that other people it's can for enjoy. your entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you got your minor alchemy. Uh, what was our big argument? It was turning a silver piece into a gold piece or sorry, a, a copper piece into a silver piece. And how that's kind of ridiculous because there's minting in D&D. And yeah, just... this this got into like central banking, <laughs> general currency. Like, well, a copper piece is going to look a specific way. If it now looks silver, it's going to be off-putting to the person who takes it. And that was my stance on it. And you guys said, shut up. <laughs> yeah, so our arguments were there's not like a central bank that mints all this stuff. You could, You could go into a... Like an ancient dungeon or tomb that hasn't been touched in thousands of years and find a chest full of gold and bring it back and immediately start buying drinks with it at a bar. It's just, it's an abstracted kind of hand waved thing. It's gold and silver and whatnot is the valuable thing. There might be some coins minted in certain ways, but I get the impression people are used to all sorts of different. There was a, it was an incredibly nuanced discussion yes. <laughs> where we really did get into the weeds with, well, if it's a city where the primary business is done <laughs> among locals, obviously the water deep standard would be used. They'd be a little bit more suspicious about adventurers. But if it was a frontier area, it got out of hand. I yeah. loved it. That we, was my favorite conversation. It was, it was, we got really just like. We wasted an entire, I wasted an entire work day. Just <laughs> we all got paid a decent amount to yell about that. Was, my boss doesn't listen to that. <laughs> but it does actually kind of fit the roguish way. Because my, my insistence was, this is not a game-breaking mechanic. This is saving a couple bucks on beer every time you travel. For what it's worth, we did reach a conclusion as a group, which was most of the time it's probably fine. But I think that the bartender would probably roll some type of wisdom check of some sort to recognize whether or not this is a trick because you are trying to deceive them there are things that you might give off with your personality of giving them this coin there are times where if it's a very busy bar they most likely will not notice and just be like sure here i'll take the money and then later there's a, a copper in the silver drawer and they just don't care but there are times when you can use that against your party in a fun way that creates interesting challenges like, hey, you asshole, you paid me with a copper instead of a silver, pay me now. And that's it. Doesn't need to completely ruin the campaign. And that's when the fun <laughs> starts, because you can transmute yourself into somebody else and run away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So flavor-wise, I actually do think the transmutation wizard has a lot going for it. Right. The transmuter stone is some some interesting stuff at 6th level. And I see that pairing well with the the rogue 
even just giving yourself dark vision is as good as a rogue if you're going the thief archetype. Right. Yeah, the transmuter stone, you could cre- you create a magical stone they could keep on yourself or give to someone else. And then it, it who's ever holding it gets a certain ability, like dark vision out 60 feet, um, increased speed of 10 feet, proficiency in con saves, or resistant to an elemental type. And then anytime you cast a transmutation spell at first level or higher, you could just change the effect to suit what you need. Which is pretty nice, especially if you only prepared your fire spells in the Nine Hells. Oh, no, that gives you resistance. I misread that. Yeah, it's still good for not dying, I guess. It's good for not dying. Can't do anything else, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's always good. Yeah, giving yourself resistance to a specific damage is is nice. Other than that, I think anything really works. Like we said... Your subclass in Wizard has never really mattered that much. No. Yeah, it's more about the spells you pick. I think each and every one of them has a good flavor. Except for War Magic, which is kind of garbage. But I think yeah, War Magic's a little... A little yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think fan. a Necromancy Rogue makes a whole lot of sense. Oh my if god. If you're going for the super... If you, if, Just honing that Blade of Edge? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, if you... Instead of like rejecting the classic Rogue like we do a lot, you fully embrace it. You're like, oh, I had the tough upbringing where I lived on the streets and my parents were murdered and then my guardians were murdered and then their guardians' guardians were murdered in front of me. And so my main goal is to research magic so I can bring them back to life. And use them to beat people up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there's, there are things you can do. And um, How would you play that? Was like, Use your army of undead to distract people while you snipe them in the back of the head. Yeah, basically. Oh, zombies are coming and then you're behind them. It's like, Pow. Yep. That works. That's yep. about it. Mm-hmm. And then they die, and you're like, ha-ha, another. <laughs> this was a grim harvest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so I hate that idea. Um, <laughs> it's good, though. It's good. You can you can mix whatever you want. All of these work, and I think that the uh, the rogue is... I, I don't know. I still i am not a huge fan of doing like a, a mix of the class, where like you get like 10 and 10 or something along those numbers. Uh, but I, I definitely see a lot of benefit from from small dips, maybe up to level five in rogue and five in wizard with 15 in, in rogue might not be as great. But you're getting third level spells at least, mm-hmm. which are great. I mean, everyone loves third level spells, right? It's fireball. Yeah. And I still think, though, an even even amount could work. It just depends where you're going for you. If So, yeah, if you go an even amount, you will be less effective with your rogue attacks because your sneak attack won't get as high and you'll be less effective with the high level wizard spells. But then you're you're going to have a good mix of utility with both. You're still going to get some really solid solid wizard spells, decent amount of spell slots. Your attacks will still pack a punch. I think the ten ten area works well if you go the blade singing, because then you at least can get, get the extra two, attack. Yeah, get yeah. an extra attack with your rogue. But otherwise, you are going to be a rogue with a single attack who is going to be a lot of times better off casting a cantrip. Maybe not better off, but you're you're going to be yeah. choosing between the two of them, um, and. I don't know. I think you're kind of you're getting to that point where you're starting to take away from the the other classes or from the other class you're focusing yeah. or not focusing in. Yeah. Um, oh, and I mean, at 10th level, it's still 5d6 for your sneak attack. Yeah, that's pretty good. That is good. That's good. Um, but then, you know, when are you going to cast spells? There's times. I don't know. It's yeah, not impossible. You have the versatility. It's not as bad as 10... Dr- 10 Druid, 10 Ranger, right? So. Yeah, this is one's harder to show yourself in the foot with. Right. right. I will even make the semi... This is a unique and a semi-controversial thing. I will say that you can go Arcane Trickster and still Multiclass and Wizard. I think yeah. so, too. Yeah, I think that would actually be really fun. As yeah. I said, it gives you the really nice Mage Hand. It gives you other 
miscellaneous abilities that it doesn't slow down your spells mm-hmm. well progression as much yeah you as have, much so you have to take three in rogue in order yeah. to get one level in wizard right or spell casting for that, right. that multi-class table yeah so it doesn't slow it down as much it's not it's still pretty slow but... right right it's more of that you can speed up your arcane trickster spell casting by taking a level in wizard because right. for every one level in wizard you take that's the equivalent of three spell casting levels in rogue i mean that's that's great yeah, and the flavor things do kind of work. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, magical ambush really cool for a wizard. Some higher level wizard spells, where if you are hidden from a creature and you cast a spell on it, they have disadvantage on the saving throw. There's some really nasty saving throw spells out there. Yeah, here's a question: That's this, real nice. this doesn't really. I'm assuming yes, but is this does this go for AOE stuff? Yeah, it I'd does. Say it would as yeah. long as you are hidden from the creature. You might need it's each of a them. creature, but. Um, it makes sense that you can say well, all of these. If yes. you are hidden from a creature when you cast a spell, yes. oh, it's on it. Right? This is this is ambiguity uh, here. No, it's not. It's really not. You're hidden from three out of five creatures. You're hidden from each of those creatures. It, it doesn't... No, but it says cast a spell on it. If you cast Fireball and it hits five creatures, you're not casting Fireball on those five mm, creatures. Yeah. You're casting Fireball on that point in space. And it's That's fine, but what five. about Hold Person? Hold Person is on... Two creatures, yeah. but yes. it is directly Okay, on that them. is being casted on something So no yes. AoE, yes, right. multi-target. I okay, think that sorry, that's sense. what I was thinking of. So and like, that's a bad way to start combat if you're the monster in a paralyzed state. <laughs> yeah. Generally, yeah. <laughs> Generally. Yeah. All right, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. There's some ways you can come back from that. <laughs> yeah. Held for a minute. Start straight. as a Lemire in the deepest pits of hell. Eventually <laughs> raise your way up and get revenge. But yeah, they, and those are good things to chase after. So it's weird that you could go the double wizard rogue style thing, but right. I think it works. Yeah. No. So, I mean, you could do that nine in, uh, in rogue, 11 in wizard, or as much as you want in wizard. And now your wizard spells are I mean, pretty well taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Say you would then be 11. So you'd be a 14 level caster, right? uh yeah. yeah that's not bad yeah three and get some good yeah um it's so you the, wouldn't the mythical level 20 campaign <laughs> you'd be a little bit limited on what spells you could take let me see so you'd be we're saying 11 in wizard yeah so 11 in wizard gets you up to six level spells which is not bad no so good you can choose there. from there and you'd be a 14th level caster, um, which would get you up to 7th level spell slots. Okay. So, pretty good combo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, 8th yeah. and ninth level spells are crazy strong. Even 7th, because you can't really use a 7th level spell there. You have to upcast it. Um, but at the end of the day, like, once you get past 5th, some of them just get, like, ridiculous in their own way. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, very specific, but when you need it, you've got it and it's amazing the reality of anything past fifth level is you only get one a day right until it's 1920 right right and then you get a couple more seventh levels right seventh levels and six levels you'll ever only ever get one eighth and ninth yeah just because they're too much yeah yeah and that's that's still good so still good it's not that you're not missing out on something it's just that the dip into rogue is probably giving you more worthwhile stuff or more commonly used stuff I say, yeah, I want to say worthwhile. Yeah, not when you're fair. talking about Wish or True Polymorph. How is Wish even good? <laughs> <laughs> wish is probably one of the worst spells in the game. Change my mind. 
I'm no, kidding. It is. Yeah. That's, that's a joke. <laughs> no spell can backfire quite as hard. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Well, except for that, then you just use it for the redden stuff. An eighth level spell. Yeah. Any eighth level spell you want. Yeah. There's other stuff too where simple requests. Yeah. They get itemizes things out where like if you cast this, this will this is what will happen. Right. Um though you I think obviously we have not really encountered wish much. I think those ones still have the impact where you may lose your ability to cast it. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be really annoying. Yeah. But yeah, if you just have a duplicated eighth level spell or less of uh, across any class, it's it's fine. It does what it does. There's no downsides. Minus it being lame and not fun. You gotta <laughs> yeah. take those risks. Uh, but you don't even need the material components or the casting time. That's what's crazy about I it. I know. It could be like an hour long spell that requires five thousand gold, like true resurrect, using a wish spell to cast it. It just boom. Yeah. Isn't it funny how using your wish spell to cast true resurrection is a a foolproof way of getting somebody back to life, but just wishing somebody back to life could definitely monkey paw. Oh, nope, 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 nope. True resurrection is ninth level. Oof. Oh, there we go. Oh, okay. okay. That there, that answers your question. Yeah. Monkey paws back in business. I thought it was for some reason. And also, yeah, clerics or druids get it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, that's that's all I've got on the wizard rogue. Anything yeah. else? No. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It could be good. I like it. Yeah. It has its potential. I, it, I guess it really comes down to the spell slots, right? That you pick, and yeah, you, you you'd want to take your time, plan it out. Don't just kind of do it by the seat of your pants, level after level. Oh, this looks cool. That looks cool. Plan exactly. it out. Think it through. Read through the spell list. I think that's my disclaimer with every multi class. Well, yeah. Is you better be making sure you map this out a little bit beforehand. Uh, just a little bit just a little bit um all right uh so before we do get into our monster of the week I'd like awkward to do awkward self-promotion time awkward self-promotion that we're gonna get better at so uh probably if, not <laughs> we're just kind of awkward dudes kevin you're killing me <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be really nice if you follow us on twitter <laughs> if you would like to follow us on twitter our uh username is monsters underscore multi uh, you can send us monster suggestions for our monster of the week. Uh, you can also ask us any questions about your multi-class or just really anything D&D related. Um, I am at your whim to whatever requests you have. Uh, beyond that, uh, keep listening. Leave us reviews. Leave us reviews. On, weekly reviews. Yeah, uh, especially mm-hmm. on iTunes. And that is... I really like how polite you are about it. If you are so inclined, you are welcome to follow us on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. I would personally really appreciate if you would take the time out of your day to search us on Twitter and click that follow button just so that you can see every Tuesday me going, hey, is the monster we're going to do this week? And, you know, give it a like, give it a retweet. I don't know. It's good content. It's just just quality content. <laughs> all right. So that's all I got. Thank you very much. This week's monster is the Corrid, a suggestion from our friend Stephen R. Knoll. The Corrid is a fake creature. It's tuned to the stone. It is an interesting little creature, one of the few this high challenge rating that is still small. It is a small enemy, but don't let that fool you. It's got a strength that is basically off the charts. This kind of creature, while leaning chaotic, neutral, can go a lot of ways and is often sought by treasure hunters. But perhaps its most interesting feature is it's got magical hair. The little guy, in addition to having little cloven hoof feet, has a 
big mane of dreadlocks and a big poofy beard that it can weave into steel ropes it can control like magical snakes. So what do you guys think about the Corrid? I think magical snakes are great. Magical hair snakes. I think what it specifically said is whatever it uses to cut its uh, hair is what the hair becomes. Just super weird. It is super weird. And I feel like you could like really make some interesting things with that. Like people uh, keeping Corrid's locked down and cutting their hair with diamond. And so and turning uh, it into diamond. The like, reason that, that would be a, a enormous offense to the Korat because they love their hair. Right. And that'd be a tough thing to do for a creature that can basically melt into stone and burrow. Right. So they're tricky little guys, but then it, that's actually a good business idea. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good business idea that is obviously a little bit evil. Um, so, I mean, that's just a very quick setup for a, a reason to have a Korat. But that wouldn't be fighting it. It would be more like cords are your friends right um but cords are they're they're weird i actually threw them at you guys in our um in our long homebrew campaign and i did not do them justice uh upon like looking through all of its stat block again i don't even know if i used the magical hair or any of its summoning or Mm. any of this stuff that actually like makes them interesting creatures uh which you know was just a horrible thing that i used to do if only there was a podcast that specifically told me (laughs) how to use monsters so i didn't just throw them at you guys willy-nilly um but overall they've got a lot of interesting uh mechanics that just make them pretty tough to fight for a challenge rating seven first off conjure elemental uh which they get a couple of different things that they can conjure earth elemental a gargoyle which isn't too interesting a galabdur which I don't know what that is. You ran into those in Out of the Abyss. You didn't fight them, though. Remember in the Rock Blight, and you had to go and, like, cleanse this area? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, these Earth Elementals kept popping out of the ground and stuff. And as you killed them, this these statues kind of came out of the wall. Right. That's a... Whatever you said. Galabdur. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's got a couple of, of really useful... Uh, well, not a couple. It's got a very useful summoning capability, which turns this from a challenge rating seven to a challenge rating seven plus a challenge rating six. Uh, right. You know, which just sucks. Uh, it also has Otto's Irresistible Dance as one of its spellcasting effects, which that's is just a fun one. Yeah, it's just funny more than anything. Yeah, that's very fey thing. I, I think most fey creatures have something like that. Right. So Otto's Ir- Irresistible Dance uh, makes it so that you just keep dancing. And on top of that, you get uh, your, I think, disadvantage on attacks, advantage on attacks against you, and you can't move. So that's not in any way better than a hold person, but uh, one, great flavor, and two, just terrifying to deal with. Yeah, and it takes your action to end it. Yeah. An action to make the saving throw to end it. It's not one of those you just get the free roll or something. Right, so that's, that's... pretty terrifying yeah uh, you mentioned its strength is off the charts it is specifically a strength of 23 uh which for a small creature is just where is it getting that <laughs> and that's, right that's the comic thing about it they can throw these giant boulders mm-hmm. that they shouldn't be able to lift and their main weapon is a great club right which should not be in the hands of what looks like a gnome you know right right right, right. Uh, and it gets its it's a weird ability where it's it's a stone's strength mm-hmm. so when the cord is on the ground it can do an extra two damage die with whatever it's doing. So it's great club goes from one D eight to three D eight. Uh, there's not many times that it's going to be off the ground intentionally, but if you do something, if you recognize this and know about this, you fight them a couple of times, then you're 
whoever has it might be casting Levitate on them, something to get them off the ground and now much less of a threat. Um, it's interesting flavor-wise, though. It seems like it's it's literally pulling up the strength from the ground. Right. Like, it's attunement with stone. Uh, it just makes it so powerful. Right. Yeah, actually, you take that um, stone strength thing even further. It, you would almost think it would lower its strength score if it's not on the ground. Yeah, you would think. It well. doesn't, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I see that. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's most interesting thing is its command hair uh as as will had brought up it's it's hair snakes um so the cord has at least one 50 foot long rope woven out of its hair just right off the gate Uh, as a bonus action it can command the rope within 30 feet of it to move up to 20 feet and entangle a large or smaller creature that it can see uh it must the target must succeed on a dc 13 uh dexterity saving throw which really is not that high uh but then it becomes grappled so it says at least one of restrained. these hairs. Sorry, it does. Yeah. I think oh, it, grappled and never mind. You're right. It grappled and okay. restrained. You're right. But um, you know, it's a good way to grapple something without uh, grappling yourself, uh, which is always the downside of grapple. Um, also, I don't think grapple gives the restrained condition. No. Does it? No. Okay. No, it doesn't. So this it's, is grappled plus grappled plus yeah. restrained. So and that's restrains great. really could be really devastating um all of your attacks at disadvantage and every attack against you has advantage and your movement is zero which i think comes from grapple and restrained i don't even know why it says grappled on there i think it's so that you make a grapple check to get out of it Uh, okay that's basically it yeah which again it's a low dc of 13 but it does that for free i mean not for free entirely but it's a bonus action and it's its only bonus action um so it's great it's got the the rope itself has an ac of 20 and 20 hp ac 20 is super high yeah that's so annoying. what a, when you're fighting a challenge rating seven thing that is going to take some good rolls to get through um and it regains one hp every turn which is not much but it's it's something. a little strange but it does like kind of explain the longevity of its hair snake yeah you that's know? fair i think yeah, it's more right. flavor than mechanic yeah it definitely feels like it um but you know it, it can have more than one of those so it can just command a bunch of hair ropes hair snakes to just come out and restrain your entire party um it makes for a very interesting low level fight um i made the mistake when i threw it at you guys of facing it against level 15s and i tried to do multiple of them and again didn't really play up the conjuration aspect didn't play up the hair part too much if at all um and how I was, were we even fighting these guys? I needed something for a, a quick dungeon. You guys were going into we were in like a cave, right? You guys were going into a cave and I was like, Hey, these things look cool. Let me throw those at you. Um, but eh, why did they attack us? Because you were in their territory. That's that was not it. Really how they were. I know. And <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Like I didn't read through all of the lore and come up with a very good reason to why these things would attack, why they were protecting this area, anything about it. It was just like, Hey, we're in a cave. These things are stone based. Eh, there you go. Um, it wasn't the most appropriate fight. I've I've done better, right? But, <laughs> so why why what are reasons they would attack? Will like why are you saying? Yeah, the reasons is they are they are chaotic neutral. They are fey. They do lean towards mischief, but not really you know butchering the party unless they've done something to upset them, like try and cut their hair with golden shears. Yep. So you know as long as you don't screw with them. I don't really see a lot of situations where they're going to attack for no good reason. 
I think these are an interesting creature. You'd have to set it up in a way there. You have to steal the cords, whatever. Yeah, I mean, hey, that can be a quest. It doesn't always have to be a noble PC quest. You can have somebody saying, hey, if you get me a cord, I will pay you absurd amounts of money. And that's a quest hook right there. <laughs> and sure, you're going to have to then deal with that as a party. Like, is it okay for us to do this, to take a cord and trap them? And you were saying, like, it's, it's hard to, to hold them down. But uh, if you, I mean, wooden restraints are going to yeah you put them in a big wooden room right and hey now they can't use their you uh, you wrap them up with chains right or hang them from the ceiling you make (laughs) chains out of their hair and wrap them up with that (laughs) (laughs) um so i mean they get some good stuff at will commune with nature meld into stone stone shape uh which lets them uh really just dip around the battlefield in some cool ways um i think it'd be a pretty fun fight for again lower level groups uh Armor class of 17, 102 hit points, a burrow speed, uh, mm-hmm. which not very frequent. You see a burrow speed. Um, it takes away. Well, I guess meld into stone really lets them do more of like a, a surprise rounds on your group. If for some reason that is the the goal is to have hostile cords because uh, they can just meld into stone. Your party walks past a cave and they just whoop, right back out and come up from behind or ambush them in, in whatever way. Yeah, and they've got stealth. I mean, these these guys are perfectly suited for cave life. They're the epitome of a stone-focused, intelligent creature. So, yeah, that's one other thing is, like, if you do have a situation where we have to fight some kind of evil stone monsters, there might be cords in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were saying they're very, they've got stealth. Not only do they have plus five to stealth, but they also have stone camouflage. So it has advantage on dexterity stealth checks uh, made to hide in rocky terrain. So it has advantage and plus five. And when all else fails, it can literally meld into stone. So, I mean, they're, they're good. They're, they're versatile cave dwellers. They're very, I'll say this, they are incredibly quirky as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you want to role play some very strange creature, this is a very good choice. And I think that's the one thing I did do properly was when you guys first saw them, it was just like off in the distance, just dancing on top of a boulder. And it was just like, what the heck is that thing? And, <laughs> you know, just uh, kind of foreshadowing that you would be fighting this in some capacity. And, you know, I used its uh, its auto's irresistible dance. I don't remember if anyone failed it. Um, seeing as it's, it's spell save is again, 13 uh, wisdom save of 13 when you are a level 15 or 16 is just not impressive. No. I don't know if I raised that. It's very possible I did, but I think I just had multiple of them. So there's yeah. definitely more than one. Yeah. yeah. Um, overall, I would say this, uh, is much better suited for fighting a single cord and it using its conjure elementals versus a medium or low level party like five six ish around that Mm -hmm. area um and it's got resistance to bludgeoning piercing and slashing from non-magical attacks right so you want to have them at that level where maybe not everyone has a magical weapon um you know get get around that um and beyond that it's just got it's just got fairly good stats plus six strength plus two dex plus five con only thing that's negative is charisma at nine so Which is a one. bit interesting, but yeah, no, they, I like they don't them. seem very charismatic. They're you know? they're strange. They uh, you see them and they kind of look pretty evil. They've got a little bit of a menacing look to them, but that's not really how they are. They're just weird. They're just weird little rock guys. <laughs> yep, <laughs> with crazy hair. 
Oh, it's fun hair. Yeah, I could see yeah. the. I think the number one thing I missed, and I'll say this again, was the fact that when you cut their hair with something, it becomes that thing. And I feel like that is a extremely interesting thing to throw in. Right. Uh, even having your party know about it. So now they're wondering like, ooh, do we start cutting its hair with golden shears? Like if you've got somebody who's a little more evilly inclined, uh, that might be a, a good way for them to try and, and make money. I Note that there is a warning poem, especially calling that out right below the stat block. Oh, yeah. From Volo himself. Yeah. He's like, hey, <laughs> don't do that. It's stupid. But, I mean, <laughs> PCs, man. <They're laughs> if you want to get the ire of a Korid, cut its hair. Yeah. <laughs> What's the warning thing? I'm not seeing it on. It's under, it's, it's uh, just like a little flavor thing. There's a legend about a merchant who tried to cut a cord's hair with golden shears. The cord fed him those shears from his swallow to his sitter. <laughs> Volo clearly knows not to mess with them. Right. Volo's good at that. That's why he's alive. I do love Volo's little poems and now through this book. Right. <laughs> All those things are great. They did that yeah. in Xanathar's as well. To just make it feel, I don't know, flavorful make it feel yeah. worthwhile to read the book like a book yeah instead of just using it as a stat block and um also more morning cadence yes actually there's like four of them in there that one actually got a little confusing if i remember correctly what do you mean the... one of these books where like the where there's the little handwritten notes around one of them has like four different people doing okay it. people and yeah they have like of. it's on a different colored note with different handwriting but it's still hard to keep track right I, I, yeah the one thing that i dislike about it being handwriting is there are legitimately times where i couldn't read it right <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't know what the hell this is trying. this is like reading kevin's writing i'm done <laughs> You are the only DM who doesn't need a DM screen because none of your notes are legible. <laughs> we really couldn't tell. Right? I don't take handwritten notes. I Because you can't read them? Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Kevin understands his own weaknesses. Yes. <laughs> and that's important. Yeah. Um, I actually really do everything digitally when I can. <laughs> yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Keep that up, man. Yeah. Um, overall, I mean, the thing's cool. It's... I won't say extremely limited in how to fight with it. Most likely you're going to start off with a conjuration of some sort, get that elemental out, um, maybe use auto's irresistible dance to make a PC kind of messed up for a little bit, um, which it only gets one per day, which kind of sucks. Once they succeed that save, it is done casting right. autos. Which I really hate that to be honest. Yeah. I wish that one was a, a three I mean, per day. It's a six level spell. I know, I know. I mean, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, it is. That's fair. Um, but it's multi-attack is great. Again, two great club throws or a rock that it can throw for 4d8 plus 6 damage twice around with plus 9 to hit. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what I mainly use to just beat you guys up. Right. Because um, even at higher higher levels, that's a lot of damage. 4d8 plus 6, yeah. Yeah. Plus 9 to hit. Oh, yeah. That's going to hit a lot. Mm -hmm. 60 foot range. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I basically played it where they tried to get as far away as possible and just hurl rocks at you. Yeah. Just nice. And that's yeah. actually fun flavor because you do have to picture a rock doing 4d8 plus 6 damage. It's not exactly a small one. No. But these guys, it's going to be like they're going to pick up rocks bigger than they are and chuck them at the party. So, I right. mean, there's a lot of flavor here that is very fun. 4d8 damage. A rock to the head is going to do a lot even if it's only the size of your fist. Is it? I mean, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's say we all have 10 hit points because we're level 1 commoners. Okay. Like, I could probably hit you in the head with a rock and you'd go down. But... Not, yeah, but you don't have 23 strength. Yeah, that's why it's a fist-sized rock. 
He's probably throwing big rocks, not okay. small rocks we're, fast, man. You're right. You're right. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so even if we're talking about a rock the size of a um, maybe a a lab, like a chocolate lab. Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> like Stitch from uh, yeah. from Lilo and Stitch. That's what I picture with this guy. That actually is kind of apt. Only he was more chaotic evil. Until he Only. obviously learned the meaning of family, Ohana. <sighs> and Ohana. then he only threw Volkswagen Beetles for good. <laughs> he was at worst chaotic neutral. Um, no, all right. He, yeah, he, he was, was pretty evil. evil. He started know. off evil. I don't evil. remember enough about that movie. So. All right. Well, if you could turn your mic off, the uh, adults are talking. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Monsters of Multiclass, we'll be talking about the morality of Stitch. Chaotic evil, chaotic neutral. He what was... does Ohana mean? <laughs> It means family. We can just Google that. Oh, that oh, yeah, actually, I, I do remember that. I'm pretty sure the movie pretty clearly spells that out, what that oh, means. Hannah means. That's like the po- family. Yes. It's like the entire point of the movie. Yeah, no, it means no worries. Defining what that means. <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of your days. There it's we go. It's their problem for you. <laughs> Philosophy. Oh, Hannah. <laughs> We're real close on infringing on copyright there. Are we? <laughs> That's fair use, buddy. Come at us, Mickey. Uh, oh, no, don't challenge Disney on copyrights. <laughs> don't come at us, Mickey. We'll be good. Uh, um, all right, that's all I got on the cord. Yeah. I think it's fun against yeah. uh, some low-level parties. or Yeah, early-level uh, parties. All I'll say is I don't think it's great for pure combat. Be weird with it. Make it be weird, yes, for sure. Be weird with it. I think this would be something that is running away from your party, potentially. So if you have a reason to make them track it down... That's going to be a little bit more fun. It's going to restrain everybody it can with some ropes and then just phase out and be like, haha, goodbye. Your friend over there is dancing. That one there is held by some rope and I'm getting the hell out of here. Have fun fighting my uh, my elemental uh, until you have to come yeah. find me again. So, yeah, you got some you got a lot of things to work with here. Don't right. use it like a stat block. Right. Cool. Thanks for listening. Next time on Monsters and Multiclass. Join us next week as we discuss the Bard Druid and the Abishai Rainbow. Because there's different colors. <laughs>